now available on Tubi TV. Bigfoot the Legend is Real. The Ultimate Bigfoot documentary is now playing on Tubi TV and features some awesome witness interviews as well as some amazing Bigfoot evidence. That's Bigfoot the Legend is Real, look for it on Tubi TV. Now playing with no paying, watch for free on Tubi TV. Also available on Amazon, the Roku channel and Plex TV. Well, let me tell you something, brother. When I'm working on my 24-inch pythons, dude, I'm listening to the Diego and DeVore Show. Train, say your prayers, and listen to the Diego and DeVore Show. What you gonna do, brother, when the Diego and DeVore Show run wild on you? Ew. Pro wrestling, paranormal, and all things entertainment. From parts unknown, way unknown, here they are, Lord Everett DeVore and co-host Diego. They are the Diego and DeVore Show. All right, welcome to another episode of the Diego and DeVore Show. DeVore fans, unfortunately, Lord DeVore cannot be here with us tonight. He really wanted to be here, but his apologies have been extended to everybody. Fans of the Jago and Divorce Show, he will be back next week. So let's get to this. So lately, his lordship and I, we've been talking a lot about lost civilizations and ancient technologies. Outside of the show, we talk daily. So it's one of those subjects we bring up a lot because not only to prepare for other shows, but it's something that we've talked about while we were actively wrestling all those years on the road. There's only so much wrestling you can talk. And then we just bring up all these subjects. One of these subjects we haven't talked about yet on the Diego on Divorce Show. So when you start doing some research on your Google machine or any anywhere else to books. One of these subjects is one of the most popular names that sticks out, especially when it comes to about ancient civilizations, and that is Atlantis. Now, it's definitely not without tons of controversy or multiple theories about Atlantis. On this episode of the Diego and Divorce Show, we're going to try to fill in the gaps and explore this controversial topic. Our guest, author of the book Ghosts of Atlantis, How the Echoes of Lost Civilizations Influence Our Modern World. Please welcome Jay Douglas Kenyon. Mr. Kenyon, welcome to the Diego and DeVore Show. It is a pleasure. Good to be here. Yes, sir. And, you know, and like I shared with you a little story earlier that when I got the email and saw your name, I was like, oh my gosh, I immediately ran to my library and then I brought out three other books that I own by you. And for those Diego's and DeVore Show, if you're interested, I think you will be. I have your book Forbidden Science, Forbidden Religion. I got these on hand, like real books, Forbidden History. Now, I've had these sh- these books for years. My goodness, so I'm going to be a, a bit of a fanboy tonight, but I'm going to try to keep it a little bit calm. Let's talk about your latest book. And one real question is, so what is what is the deal with Atlantis? Not, and what I mean is, why is it such a topic that brings out sometimes the worst in people? What is the big deal about Atlantis? Because it seems that this is something we really all need to know about. Well, I agree, of course. Um... I think that if you really want to understand a lot of what's going on in the world, uh, you look into their, uh, there's a, there are unconscious forces at work that I think have their origins in uh, a forgotten world. And the fact that we have forgotten that world is, uh, you know, constitutes a major problem for us. It's like the word is amnesia because uh, don't remember where we came from. We don't remember who we are. We therefore have a great deal of time, a great deal of trouble <clears throat> navigating the current world. 
And uh, so, uh, and I think that uh, the importance of Atlantis is, is, is overlooked because that's actually partially because it is such a popular subject uh, and that, but it's treated like a cartoon, you know, it's, it's treated as uh, it's not given the respect uh, or taken as seriously as it should be. But uh, certainly the idea that uh, we have forgotten our origins is, I think that that's, uh, that's an idea that has taken hold in the last few years to a certain extent. But uh, the implications of that, uh, they haven't necessarily thought about. For example, Earth is, uh, we, we find ourselves in a world that uh, bears deep scars uh, that we don't you know know where those are coming from in fact because we've adjusted so to speak or we've we have uh, made those uh, we we have made that uh, condition the reality uh, we we don't uh, we don't see it's how it we're not able to compare it with normal with what's normal uh, it it has become the normal or the the current normal and uh, but the fact is, it's uh, deeply pathological. It's uh, deep, uh, deeply, uh, deeply uh, disturbing in, in its full implications. You know that that's it's trying to make people conscious of that was a major uh, driving factor in in the creation of this book. Of course, I, 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 for the last 25 years, I've been the publisher of Atlantis Rising magazine, and Atlantis Rising magazine is devoted to the very issues that I'm talking about. And we accumulated a lot of material on the subject. And so that's uh, that has become the book. It is a terrific book. I was very happy to start reading it. Yet another book by you. But let me, because you talked about the term amnesia. Was it you that coined the term? Was it planetary amnesia? No, uh, it was uh, basically uh, the, the term uh, originated pretty much with uh, a scientist and a scholar known as Emanuel Velikovsky, who uh, was famous for having uh, written uh, such things as Our World in Collision and uh, I forget the other titles, but anyway, that was one. And he was uh, very controversial back in the late 50s and the 60s and completely rejected by the scientific establishment. But of course, now they realize that a lot of what he said was true. But he looked at history, uh, actually looked at uh, the last, not so much Atlantis, because he was looking at a much shorter framework for history, going back maybe, instead of going back 11,000 years, as we think we should go, or further, he was going back maybe a couple thousand, maybe 3,000 years. But what he was saying was that uh, there had been these catastrophic events uh, like uh, collision with uh, other bodies and interplanetary and intergalactic uh, bodies uh, that had basically uh, created uh, catastrophe on the Earth. And that while the mainstream view is that everything we see today in terms of the geology of the planet came about very gradually over millions of years, they are failing to take into account while that may be true for a lot of things, there are certainly many sudden events that have changed things 
drastically and in a very short span of time and left people uh, totally lost in terms of uh, disoriented and, and, uh, and in a state of uh, deep shock. Uh, and that it's, it's the, the, this shock uh, which has brought about some of the abnormalities that we that we find in our culture. Uh, Velikovsky was a, was a psychiatrist. Actually, he was a, an associate of uh, Freud and uh, and uh, Carl Jung. He was basically he he wrote a book called uh, Earth and Amnesia, which was uh, basically describing this idea and working out and showing in detail how this came about. And we give a chapter in the book. Uh, to this, we talk about this the the problem of forgetting. I mean, the forgetfulness is uh, it's one of those things which affects everything we do, but it's not um, it's hard to wrap your uh, wrap your mind around it. <laughs> yes, and, and to really understand it and really understand what it means. Anyway, that's the idea. Yeah, because you know, in touching on something that you said earlier, I was. Those when, when I was younger and even as a teenager, that the topic of Atlantis was more for me was maybe sci-fi or just something tale that was written. But I dug more into it, and I, and I think it was uh, one of your one of your books. I'm pretty sure it was where it states that now it's well known that the tale of Atlantis or the history of Atlantis and its civilization was not a Greek story, but it actually came from the Egyptians. And the Egyptians were saying, you know, you Greeks don't know much about your history, but let me tell you about what's going on here. So that's what really got me interested into the subject of Atlantis. I really started digging deep. So can we touch on the Egyptian connection to the Atlantis story? Well, you're alluding to uh, the account of Plato, which is the basic uh, story of Atlantis that, uh, that everybody relies on it's not uh and the the general academic view is that atlantis came solely from plato and from from nowhere else but this in the story uh, of atlantis that plato tells his ancestor solon uh traveled to um to egypt and basically was uh, had discussions with uh, Adla- uh with priests of the egyptian religion the priests of uh, size who uh, told who number one uh, told them that the Greeks and this was a Greek uh, that uh, the Greeks were very uh, immature. <laughs> they didn't really uh, grasp the great length of human history and the number of ups and downs uh, that it's had and the great uh, cycles that are involved and the these priests. Uh, described for Solon uh, the history of Atlantis, and uh, and and then that later on was passed down to uh, Plato, and he told the story. Of course, the conventional view is now that somehow or other this was all uh, just uh, concocted by uh, by Plato, but that's uh, uh, that was not the Platonic method. <laughs> he was very straightforward and very uh, and had his facts straight all of the time and he was as reliable as you can get as a source and curiously enough the date for the sinking of Atlantis which is there in the platonic story 
is about 11,500 years ago, or about 9,500 BC, which just happens to be the, the date for the end of the Younger Dryas last, uh, or the beginning of the Younger Dryas at the end of the last ice age. And uh, which is a, a major coincidence uh, since Plato uh, and the Greeks, as far as we know, had no knowledge of the Ice Age or of that, uh, uh, of that history. The fact that he came up with a date which corresponded to that date, which accounts for the sinking of Atlantis uh, that he described, uh, is, uh, you know, that's a pretty extraordinary uh, coincidence, to say the least. I think it's the, uh, it's the single fact that makes the, the story essentially something we have to take seriously. I believe so, and because we're going back, you said about 11,000 years. So with Atlantis, it's depending on who you talk to, but as, let's, let's look at it like this was the time of Atlantis, pre-Adamic time. Well, from the biblical perspective, I think, uh, I mean, I, I think the story uh, of Atlantis is uh, relatively, is essentially a variation on the story of Noah. Uh, the story of Noah and the destruction that is described in the in uh, the book of Genesis regarding uh, uh, the flood of Noah is another variation on the uh, classic uh, story of uh, or the you might say the flood myths that are in found all over the world in in uh, basically every culture. Uh, in in many many different forms, and I think that certainly this uh, Gilgamesh, which was the uh, Babylonian uh, story of a flood myth, uh, parallels the uh, the Noah story in many ways. And uh, the idea of a great flood, of course, is uh, and that destroyed civilization and destroyed mankind, is uh, part of the uh, the story you get from many indigenous peoples all over the world. And it's the existence of that, of that, uh, you might say the flood myth, the near universal flood myth is another reason why uh, the Atlantis story should be taken seriously. And frankly, I think that that's what gives you all of the implications that point to uh, amnesia as the explana explanation of what's happened to that to that memory and that knowledge. Of course, the amnesia was not was not voluntary. It was something that uh, was basically it's a consequence of a extreme excruciatingly painful experience in which uh, we certainly vast numbers of people died and many and many things happened uh, which were uh, which the destruction of a civilization worldwide, you can't get much heavier than that. And uh, so that's the kind of experience that uh, there's where you get the adjustment that has been made where people are trying to uh, account for their own history, trying to account for how they got here. But it's, uh, it's, it's crude. It's, it, uh, it lacks... Uh, it lacks nuance. It doesn't really uh, explain things. So that's why we're in kind of in the predicament. 
that we find ourselves in. Uh, and that's what we're trying to, um, we're not claiming that we can explain it all, but we've, we've got plenty of evidence that indicates this is what happened. And this in general is the effect that it's had uh, on civilization and on all of us. And uh, that's why we need to, uh, we need to uh, understand it. Right. And the reason I brought up pre-Adamic times, because my thought was maybe this uh, people that live in Atlantis, maybe they were not like us. And I'm thinking, were they extraterrestrials? Were they Nephilim? Um, were they reptilian race? But were they mostly humans like us? Well, I think they probably were for the most part, though I'm not ruling out that there were other influences. I think... Uh, it, when you talk about, uh, when you mention um, uh, pre-Adamic, you're, you're getting into, I mean, the Bible itself alludes to some of that. I think the book of uh, Enoch is, is especially useful yes. here in, uh, in dealing with these subjects. And I, and I think that perhaps, I mean, I tend to think that uh, there are many dimensions of, of experience, many uh, and that the idea that everything is physical the way we are accustomed to experiencing and thinking about it, and that's what we're equipped to do, where we have uh, apparently six senses that give us uh, a feedback that tells us basically what the physical world in which we find ourselves is like. But it's an, that's an illusion, because the physical world as anybody who knows anything about physics knows, it's, it's not filled with anything solid. It's filled with vibratory magnetic energy. And that magnetic energy is, is what's, that's what we interpret with our existing senses. We interpret that as reality. And I think there are many different, you, the, the term that, uh, the, there are many different frequencies, you might say, many different uh, channels like uh, television channels or what have you of, of, uh, of experience. And those, those different frequencies are occupied by intelligent life, intelligent evolutions, that, uh, and they exist throughout the universe in many different forms. And, and they're not... And there is interaction between those dimensions, which is not necessarily easily understood by by those of us who are operating on our at our at our existing level of awareness. Uh, it's all operating, and we're we're in a particular bandwidth, if you will, and and uh, we're being influenced by life and beings at other other frequencies, other, other, and other bands of reality. And uh, the physical world that we uh, are totally consumed with and that we're, that we're uh, pursuing into interstellar space is basically just, um, it's another dimension of experience. I think that a lot of people make the mistake of trying, what I think they're doing is they're taking all of the different interactions that we have with other worlds and other, other peoples and trying to somehow make it physical and uh, make it physical in a sense that's uh, 
far too simple <laughs> to uh, to really to really get what's going on. There is a um, a famous um, scientist and writer from about uh, 200 years ago called Emanuel Swedenborg. I don't know if you've heard of him, uh, but he was uh, he actually did a lot of very important scientific work, and he he was a, he was a leader spiritually and otherwise. And he told how he met beings from other planets and talked with them, and they guided him in terms of coming up with some of his uh, uh, some theories, which have been very influential in uh, in the history of science. I'm trying to remember. Immanuel Kant was an associate of his, and they, he, uh, he came up with the the nebular theory of uh, of uh, stellar uh, stars and and how they form and so forth. I, I guess this is all a kind of a long way around of, of saying that I, I don't think that most uh, ET theories add much light to the situation of understanding all the forces that we're contending with. Uh, I think they are, in fact, oversimplifications of, uh, of, of the real process of, uh, of, of consciousness and its, its effect on, on, uh, on human experience. It was something like that, the term, and I don't really want to use this term, but it's, it's not really supernatural, but it's something that is outside of that we can't explain. If we're talking about multi-different dimensions, it has nothing to do with supernatural. No. The term supernatural is a, is a kind of an unnatural term because it's basically trying to draw the line between, and, and it's, it actually corresponds to this is that I was talking about, which is that the idea of explaining things in terms of the five senses, which, and, and saying anything that exists within that framework or that construct, that we have these mental theories and concepts for that enable us to kind of structure things and, and imagine how things fit together. That's just a, uh, that's just a looking through the keyhole into uh, a larger world where uh, there are many different possibilities and they're all natural. The natural world is far more complex than, uh, and has many more dimensions than are generally understood. And uh, that's that's what I'm driving at. Right. You know, it's, it's a very complex subject because there, you know, you would think there's an easier answer, but there really isn't. But let's go back to something with going back to Atlantis. And I know this has everything to do with it, but we're going to go back to where the destruction of Atlantis. I understand some people believe that it was something that was self-imposed due to their technology. And then we talked about that there was a um, more of a natural thing to happen where it was a, either a climate change of some sort or a flood. It you know, I don't think those two things are mutually exclusive okay. uh, because, and we do talk about this, and as a matter of fact, this is one of the, some of the themes that are in, the, uh, we've just published uh, this graphic novel that I mentioned, The Atlantis Dimension, and I think that if you can wrap your mind around the idea that the real soul or person who is really where our identity is is basically placed is not uh, is not confined to the physical body. The physical body is, you might say, is a coat that it wears, or maybe a better way to put it, it's like a horse we ride. And but the but the identity is 
beyond that. And the identity goes uh, of the soul, it goes through a process of evolution over much longer than a single lifetime. A, a single lifetime is just a kind of, a, it just a, it's just an episode in the story. It's just the, uh, just a chapter. And if you really want to get the big picture, which is the thing we're promoting here, uh, you need to be able to look at not just one chapter, but a series of chapters. And I think that that's, that's the whole notion of, uh, of reincarnation, which is to me, uh, without it, I don't know how people can, uh, can, under, can begin to accept uh, the, uh, to understand all the inequities or the, uh, the injustices or the imbalances that exist in, in the world as a whole. They can only be understood in the sense that you need a lot more time, a lot more opportunity than you can get from a single episode or a single chapter in order to be able to work things out. You know, things, you, you set forces in motion, and then ultimately you're not going to be free of the process until you have dealt with the full consequences of your action. I mean, this is a principle of business. Uh, you know, if uh, you enter into a contract, uh, then you can't, uh, you can't get out of it until you finish the uh, the the term of the contract you've 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 signed the line and you you know you have uh, you have responsibilities and that's just a our uh, human version of a much larger principle that is uh, in my view universally universally true touching on that topic of reincarnation so how much of that knowledge would one retain when they come back in a different form because there has to be something you learn from the past that gets you through the present. Right. Well, obviously you don't remember a lot of it, but that doesn't mean it doesn't affect you. Let's look at it in terms of say a single lifetime where you go through a lot of experiences when you're a child, when you're, when you're in, uh, 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 say a, a toddler or what have you, you know, things happen to you that affect you and affect you long after you have forgotten all of it. I mean, the adult person is a product of the childhood experience, even when the child has, uh, even when all of that uh, the child experience has been forgotten. And that's, uh, and this is a basic principle of, uh, of psychology or psychiatry, which is trying to explain adult behavior in terms of uh, childhood experience in terms of now I, I think you can go too far with that uh, and and certainly but the point is that you don't have to you don't have to remember everything you did to be affected shaped and formed by the by the experience and of course, this is one of those things which becomes a life-changing insight when you, you, you can see how this happens. You can kind of get how it works, and it's, it's kind of, it, it's, it's shocking at first. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's liberating. 
it's the thing that basically makes it possible uh, to understand a lot of the things that you go through. And uh, it's, it, 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 but it requires, you know, some, uh, some uh, deep reflection to be able to get the picture. Now, is there any scientific method or spiritual method or ritual to where you can maybe tap into that past? Because I know, I mean, you as well, you've heard reports and read about people who all of a sudden had something trigger their memory and they say, well, I wasn't, let's just say, I'll use an example. I was an Italian noble. I was a farmer back in 200, you know what I'm saying? Or I know how to speak French now where I never knew how to speak French before. Is that something that doesn't happen very commonly? Yeah, things happen like that. I mean, there's certainly phenomena that uh, is hard to explain in any other way. Uh, the uh, uh, We mentioned the work of uh, uh, Jim Guy Tucker at the University of Virginia. As a matter of fact, you're in Virginia, right? And they, I and, lived there for many years. I'm in West Virginia now, but I go there every day. So, yeah. Well, he, he, this is one of, he's one of the leaders in the whole idea of uh, past life research. And his book, uh, which the name of which escapes me right now, which was out just a couple of years ago, which was, uh, I believe, was a bestseller. But it, it, he and he was carrying along the work of uh, Stevens and what I want to say. Um, uh, who, but anyway, one of the one of the big things they like to do is document uh, the stories that they get from children regarding uh, uh, previous lifetimes. And we talk about this in the book. As a matter of fact, I talk about Tucker's, uh, Tucker's research in the book uh, Ghosts of Atlantis. And uh, uh, there's, there's some very interesting, uh, very interesting examples of this kind of, uh, of evidence, things that are very hard to explain. Uh, there's this one story that was very uh, attracted quite a bit of news a few years ago of this uh, this boy who could remember basically uh, uh, dying in a uh, in a plane uh, uh, crash during World War II, and he was able to remember many things about that experience, and including people that were in his uh, outfit in the uh, in the uh, in the Navy in the, on a, some on an aircraft carrier, I believe. And any, I, I'm not remembering the name precisely, but it was uh, it was a good example of how this works. I think that uh, there are many there are many examples of it, and if you really place your attention upon the matter, you know you can uh, you can uh, benefit from uh, you know you can gain insight into your previous embodiments. I, I mean, I think a lot of people go too far, and a lot of people find it very entertaining to imagine that they're famous, that they were a famous person in another life, and so forth. And you get a lot of that, a lot of that kind of thing, which I think is uh, silly, frankly. But while that may be so, you there is there is a lot to learn, uh, and if you really place your attention upon your own character and and trying to understand how it's evolved and sometimes you can account for your own behavior in a larger way uh you 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 really need to think in terms of other lifetimes to be able to understand your own character it's not enough depends on the individual 
but it's not enough to simply look at uh, your, 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 the experience that you remember. You really need to, to get a larger picture. I don't think people should be uh, intimidated by that. I think they should, uh, I think they should uh, uh, take it on. And we, that's one of the things, uh, it's really, this is sort of an indirect uh, result of what we're talking about in the book. But I, I give you an example, like uh, I mentioned the ghosts, the ghosts of Atlantis. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, uh, the, the Hamlet, uh, the Shakespearean uh, story of Hamlet. What you have there is the, this young prince who returns to his, uh, his uh, home where his father is now dead and his uh, mother has remarried. And, uh, and then ultimately the ghost of his father keeps appearing to him and, and basically crying out for, uh, for uh, uh, justice and uh, to, uh, and I feel that uh, the ghosts of our own past now are coming up to us and so many of the, the terrible experiences that we are going through now are indeed the, the past making demands upon us in terms of our understanding that's the idea yeah and with the past we you know i'll touch on something about because we talk about forgetting or the amnesia so outside of this country i think a lot of these things are are better accepted it seems to be a little more open-minded about these certain subjects it seems that here in the united states we're a bit of a protective bubble where we we're receiving information but we're not receiving great information it's some like you say, it might be done on purpose, but it's it's not sinking in. Well, that's because the dominance of the uh, materialist scientific uh, uh, establishment in 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 our country, which basically tries to keep us all in line with this uh, particular paradigm of reality, uh, and uh, to it's constantly trying to keep us from straying outside that into some kind of a, of a, a spiritual perspective. That, of course, is the, uh, that's the problem. <laughs> it's materialism is, uh, is basically another kind of superstition that uh, basically uh, gives us a false explanation of the way things are when things are in reality is far more, uh, as we've said, you know, is far more complicated. And that's an an oversimplification right there. No, no, and that's fine because it's, it needs to be simplified. I mean, at least for me, I don't know about the listeners of the Diego and the Vore show, but Atlantis and then the destruction, there had to have been, because let's go back to what we're talking about, the flood. So in, in the flood, there were certain survivors in Noah's in the Noah story, and same thing with with the Norse with the Ragnarok. A couple of the gods they survive, a couple of the humans survive. So the survivors of Atlantis, do you think that maybe some of their technology stayed with them, and this is how some a technological boom happened in other parts of the world? Well, I think that there's there's uh, there was a I, I think there was a technology, uh, and uh, that was advanced perhaps far beyond anything we have today or certainly perhaps comparable. And I think that uh, 
this technology has, and it was uh, not necessarily, a lot of it was, um, was very problematical. A lot of it was very, uh, was probably, I think that that's what I meant when I said that if you want to look at what brought about the destruction of Atlantis, even if it came about because of external events like a, a bolide from space, I don't think you can rule out that there was a fact, uh, as I might put it, a karmic explanation mm -hmm. as well, because they're both different aspects, a different sides of the same coin. And so that's why I was trying to say you can, you're responsible for your actions, even when they seem to come from, from, uh, from external sources. But anyway, uh, what were we talking about? No, no, that's fine. Cause I was talking about the survivors of Atlantis. Um, oh yeah. Tech, the technology, the yeah. technology. Uh, well, I think that, uh, and I was trying to say that a lot of the, uh, there was probably some very evil technology that was developed. And I think that these kinds of things have themselves reincarnated. And I think that if you look at, say, uh, the Third Reich in, in, during World War II, you see an example of uh, a technology that I believe was basically a rerun of, uh, of uh, some of what happened on Atlantis. And I think that... Uh, you know, one of the things that we talk about, uh, we, we don't get into it a lot, but it is a major part of this graphic novel, The Atlantis Dimension, is the idea that uh, many of the mythological creatures that uh, people describe, particularly the ones that involve half-human, half-animal form, are actually, um, uh, that's a description of, uh, of Atlantean technology. I think it could very well be, and that, uh, and that the idea, and that today, a lot of what we see in terms of uh, uh, genetic engineering is really an attempt by by some of the same individuals re-embodied now back in their in their in an environment that uh, is similar to the one they knew before, and they now are recreating some of the uh, some of the same technologies certainly on a biological sense that they that they that they did before and i think even things like the attempts to clone mammoths or 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 neanderthals or other extinct species similar to the idea that you got in Jurassic Park this is all uh, i think represents the uh, unconscious uh, re uh, the unconscious uh, replaying of ancient records yeah because I think what's the term is chimera uh, that's an example of a you know of a merged uh, a cross uh, breed uh, from a human and animal well, example of the Greek tales where they talk about the Minotaur yeah and other, and other creatures like that right that's the, that's that's what I'm talking about yes. Yeah. So, well, let's talk, because I know we're talking about uh, your graphic novel, but before we, we go to that, so I invite the listeners to the Diego on Divorce Show to visit DiegoOnDivorceShow.com, and then when you get to the DiegoOnDivorceShow.com, you'll see a banner for Amazon. Click on Amazon. The holidays are coming. If you want to do your shopping, that's like a great way of doing it. Now, I don't know about the supplies now, but, you know, you might be better off 
getting that overnighted, but go there. If you don't go to the Inner Traditions Baron Company website to get Ghosts of Atlantis, you can also get it through Amazon. Go to the DiegoNDivorceShow.com, click on Amazon, do your Christmas shopping. I definitely guarantee that you will like, love the book Ghosts of Atlantis. Go ahead and download yourself a copy. Put it in your Kindle, order the physical book. Speaking of Kindle, Mr. Canyon, we're talking about your graphic novel that's out. Right. You can, uh, you can find it on if you go to Kindle, if you go into Kindle and you look, but you we're at least uh, you need to name it if you say you search for the Atlantis dimension it will come up and but that's a download that's mm -hmm. not a uh, that's not uh, in not in print but you can get the printed version of the of ghosts of atlantis uh from inner traditions uh, and uh, you can get it through uh, amazon and yes. uh, that's fine with me <laughs> <laughs> absolutely so yeah i know man I can't even, you got so many years of experience with this subject. And, and I'd like to go back a little bit to around about 20 years ago when, if my time is right, that's right about the time we started Atlanta's Rising Magazine, correct? Well, it was in uh, 90, uh, 94. Uh, uh, yeah, 94, actually. So we did it for 25 years. Wow. That's a good, that's a good long time. And I know that you've had a lot of people who were involved with a publication and it's probably the most famous publication in this subject in the world. Well, I, I don't, uh, uh, if you name the categories that we said we were, that we were interested in ancient, uh, ancient mysteries, uh, future science and, uh, unexplained anomalies. I think that combination certainly put us in a class, in a, in a group by ourselves and we were sold on newsstands, uh, all, all over the world. So, and we were, I think that uh, people people definitely look to us as a kind of, as the magazine of record in the in the area. Oh, absolutely. It definitely would be. Now, how many of those issues have survived? Do you have any? In, in well, your... we, we, uh, we, we did uh, 135 issues. And um, uh, you can still, most of them are still available on uh, as uh, PDFs. On, uh, and you can get them from our own website, uh, just atlantisrising.com. And um, you can also get uh, uh, some of the, uh, we did publish uh, several books as well that were separate from the, the books that you, you mentioned, the ones from Inner Traditions, uh, the Forbidden series, Forbidden History, Forbidden Religion, Forbidden Science. But we did, uh, we did about a half a dozen other books that we published, uh, uh, and um, uh, those are also available on our uh, on our uh, website. Great, because I'm gonna go. I'm gonna visit that website tonight. I'm gonna share it with the Diego and Divorce Show listeners on all our social media. But before we get going here in a little bit, I'd like to ask you now. There are those out there that have a belief of where Atlantis may have, may have not been. I mean, I don't really think it's that important as the exact location but where do you think would be a great place to start well i i think that uh, really you need to think of it as a uh as well you could think of it as an empire or you think of it you think of it as a, a a culture or a civilization which was worldwide it, it, it could be it, there were i think it was a lot of the coastal areas of the world which have which uh have been under couple hundred meters of water 
uh, are, you know, where a lot of this existed. And uh, it was basically flooded or, and basically totally inundated and destroyed uh, by the end of the last ice age and where sea levels rose by uh, a few hundred feet. So until we're able to really penetrate into those areas, we're not going to be able to tell you exactly where it was. But I think that some of the best examples of where Atlantis might be, other than in the Atlantic, uh, and perhaps in the Azores and the Canaries and so forth, I think in off the coast of India and the Gulf of Cambay, uh, in, uh, in perhaps in the, the Caribbean, in other areas that um, are, there's, there are many other examples uh, in the Pacific Ocean, for example, in uh, places like um, uh, Gunung Padang in uh, Indonesia, uh, and, uh, and there are a few other, uh, few other good examples, I think, that are partial elements that are connected with, with whatever it was that existed you know, 11,500 years ago, or, or maybe we should even go back further, and things like go back to Tepe and in Turkey, and a lot of the uh, things you find in Turkey uh, really are, are very strong evidence. I, I think, uh, I mean, Graham Hancock says, and I agree with him, that he thinks that Gobekli Tepe was basically built by people guided by the survivors of Atlantis. They, they, they were, there was a concerted effort to try to get people to kind of whip up, get the civilization thing going again. <laughs> And so you had a lot of, it was a, still, a, you know, thousands of years had passed and there wasn't uh, much to work with. But then they, they were able to, to, to get people to, uh, to start to rebuild. And they started out with uh, agriculture. And I think that that was, uh, that's the real story of uh, the history of civilization. And the thought came to my mind, so we're talking about Atlantis and their influence was around the world. So it's almost like if you look at it, like the Romans, the Greeks, you're talking about like the British Empire, to where another culture wasn't only in their particular region of the world, but they spread almost worldwide. So let's say even if Atlantis was destroyed by whatever catastrophe it was, some of their culture has survived in other parts of the world. It may have not necessarily been destroyed. Well, sure. the It's... Obviously, the process is a lot more complicated than, than people realize. I think that uh, 400 years ago, during the Renaissance, basically what was going on was a reawakening of uh, the culture from the golden age of Greece and, uh, and, the, you know, and, and Rome as well, especially Greece, and that uh, this, this cyclical nature of civilization that rises and falls, that's what we're talking about. You can't really understand. I mean, there's a pattern that it goes through. And uh, of course, people talk about as it was in the, in the, in the last days of, of, of the Bible says, as it was in the days of Noah, so, so shall it be in the end time. But you can say as it was in the days of Rome, so is it today, or as it was in uh, the days of Babylon, or other examples of civilization, of you know Syria, etc., uh, the Assyrian uh, culture, which rose 
to some attainment and then fell overnight. And this kind of thing happens and it's happened over and over again. And uh, so you need to be conscious of this process. And uh, that's what we're uh, trying to uh, trying to get across. Right. It's one of those examples that we never learn from our past. So we're doomed to repeat it again. There you go. That's the that's that's that uh, spells it out. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, uh, Mr. Kenny, I'd like to thank you for being on our show. So like I said, I'd like to invite the listeners of the Diego and Divorce show to visit AtlantisRising.com if you want to get some download past issues of Atlantis Rising magazine, the new graphic novel available through Kindle, Atlantis Dimension, and also if the you Atl- want... You say the, do, the Atlantis Dimension. The Atlantis Dimension. That is, it's like the Diego, Diego and Divorce show. If you don't put the the, you won't find it. Yeah. And also, you can go to the DiegoandDivorceShow.com, click on the Amazon banner. If you like to purchase a book, Ghosts of Atlantis through Amazon, or you can just go through Inner Traditions website, buy it from them. I suggest you do either one. They're great people to work with, and I really thank them for reaching out to you, Mr. Canyon, and for you coming on the Diego and Divorce show. Before we leave, is there some sort of words of wisdom you can give the, the listeners of the Diego and Divorce show as to how to best try to connect with, with your past history? That's uh, that's an important question. That's a, that's a great question. Uh, and... Uh... I think that um, I would just say we need to be more mindful of it and uh, we need to uh, get a new perspective on the way things are are going right now in terms of their echoes of uh, prior prior human behavior and uh, learn from the past so you don't have to repeat it. Great, Great words to live by because that is something we all definitely need to be doing, learn from the past so you don't, you're not doomed to repeat it. This is happening over and over again different, with different civilizations, different parts in our history. Mr. Kenyon, thank you again for being on the Diego and Divorce Show. Next time, I'd like to have you back in 2022 when you release your next project. Mr. Divorce should be back, obviously, by then, but I'll invite again the listeners to go to AtlantisRising.com. Okay. And then, perfect. So thank you again, Diego and Divorce Show fans. Thank you again. This has been awesome. Another awesome episode of the Diego on Divorce Show. We will be back on next week with the last episode of the year, January 2022. We're going to be on fire. So look for us to being back again, back in action. Have a good one and stay safe. Visit thecryptocrew.com, your number one source for cryptozoology and paranormal research. That's thecryptocrew.com. The Crypto Crew is a research group led by Thomas Markham that investigates and documents things like Bigfoot, UFOs, ghosts, and just general weird things. They've won several awards. Check out the website today. That's thecryptocrew.com. The Diego and Divorce Show. Every week, co-host Diego and Lord DeVore talk about pro wrestling, paranormal, entertainment, and beyond. Catch them on anchor.fm slash Diego dash Divorce Show. Spotify, Good Pods, Google Podcasts, or your favorite listening platform. Learn more at facebook.com slash Diego and Divorce Show or on Twitter at Diego and Divorce. It's not just a podcast. They are the Diego and Divorce Show.